0: Good morning. Today's reading comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 33, verses 1 through 6 and 12 through 23. We'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Please follow along in your own Bibles or as the text is presented on the screens above. The Lord said to Moses, Get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them, I will give this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey. But I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. When the people heard these stern words, they went into mourning and stopped wearing their jewelry and fine clothes. For the Lord had told Moses to tell them, You are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I were to travel with you even for a moment, I would destroy you. Remove your jewelry and fine clothes while I decide what to do with you. So from the time they left Mount Sinai, the Israelites wore no more jewelry or fine clothes. One day Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me, I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place, How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and and on our people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Moses responded, Then show me your glorious presence. And the Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one has seen me and lived. The Lord continued, Look, stand near me on this rock as my glorious presence passes by. I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind. But my face will not be seen.
1: (laughs) Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Veahavta et Adonai Elohecha Bechol nevabcha uchol nabshicha uchol mevodcha How are you doing on your Bible reading, you guys? Uh, you know, hopefully you're kind of keeping up. And um, I want to I want to start with a conversation uh, that I had shortly after I came to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and um, it went something like this. I, it was with a, a woman, and I, I said to her in the in the midst of an ongoing conversation um, that I had discovered that the realization of my sin has actually led me to realize how much more God loves me, and and. Um, I said, I realize now how, I, I, way more than I used to when I didn't realize how much I'm a sinner that God loves me. And it's, it's you know, you, you do the math on that. It just doesn't quite make sense. And it didn't make sense to her. And she was on a spiritual journey and, and awakened to things that were spiritual. And her comment back to me was that um, she didn't like, if we're going to talk about love, then let's not talk about sin. It's, it it clutters it. It kind of brings it down. It makes it seem so negative, and love is so positive. And then she went on to make this statement that I've heard so many times: that I love the God of the New Testament. I love Jesus Christ. I just the Old Testament God. Oh, please. And I've heard that those that those comments, so many times over the years. This is, th- I don't know how many years ago, a long time ago, I can't remember. But, um, do you ever hear those words? You ever said those words to yourself, either side of those words? But, we, the Bible is, is so, um, it sort of puts you in these T's in the road, where you have to decide, do I trust what it says? Maybe I don't understand it, like, half the time whatever a lot of times I don't understand it but do I take that I don't understand it and say okay I'm going to sit over here and look at it and judge it from my point of view which is higher than what's there or do I say okay I'll just kind of live in it as best I can and maybe someday I'll understand it more deeply and you end up going more into what the Bible is saying instead of less into it that's the tea in the road that I see in people's lives quite frankly and uh, i don 't understand it all, but this this vice one vice, one side of the vice i've got to make sure I, you know what when I, when I say vice i 'm talking about these things, not you know, having too much fun. All right, there you go. These vice, one is the love of God, the other is the holiness of God, which reveals sin. They, they press in, and they forged a man named Moses. I mean, he's just being forged out of this. You see the growth of this man. He's becoming bigger and bigger. Really big as a person. A great leader. And you see the nation of Israel being forged out of this love and holiness, and you see ultimately it coming to its... Convergence point in the person of Jesus Christ 1,500 years later. This is the Bible. The Bible is all about this journey of love and holiness. And we still wrestle with it. Do we not? Yeah, we do. And I don't have all the answers, but Moses is going to lead us into some good stuff here this morning. If I can get that. Hey, guess what I found, Mark? Okay, cool thought I was without technology this morning, but never fear. Deeper into God, the mess of sin, plan B, stinks, and that's a mild word, by the way. I could have gone a little deeper on that one, or stronger, but it really does stink to Moses. And then going, going deeper, what's Moses going to do about it? Uh, we're going to have communion afterwards, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to move this up right now. So again, consider what I'm going to be sharing here in the next few minutes, a, an introduction to this table right here, and we'll explain that later. But uh, the mess, okay, last week we left off with Moses at the burning bush, and if you weren't here last week, I'll, I'll just give you a little recap, but Moses, it's the first time he meets the person, Yahweh, the God, who reveals himself to Israel, but previously to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and now to Israel through Moses. So uh, we met, and, and how, did, how did Moses, how did he act? What was his body language like at the burning bush? He was very timid and, and shy, and oh, ho, 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 I'm not sure God's calling me to do something great, and you know, that sort of reluctance thing that happens. Uh, we feel a little inadequate at times and uh, Moses wanted he had gave a bunch of excuses I want to get out of this he eventually goes and, but, but I want you to hear this That there's a prophecy from God's mouth to Moses he says you will be back at this mountain and you will worship me here you will bring these people here because that's where we find ourselves today what God said did happen a few months later we don't know how long it was but probably a few months later in the meantime so God or Moses begins to lead the people and you have the Pharaoh the confrontations with Pharaoh and you have the plagues of Egypt and the 10th plague was the worst and the Passover that is part of that whole story and then the Red Sea parting and then the manna and then you know they're going to find themselves uh, at the at Mount Sinai, back where God said they would be. Now, what what was the attitude of the Israelites as they went through all of this? Was it just, hey, this is great, we're with God, everything's going to be rosy now, or what? Who's in the backseat complaining? You know, I mean, it's, it's, they are, the, the people of Israel learned how to do something really well when they were in Egypt. They learned how to grumble and complain, and they're really, really good at it. Someone has said, I don't know who, that it was much easier to get the people out of Egypt than to get Egypt out of the people. It's kind of a, this, this sin stuff goes pretty deep, okay? So Moses then is is called to uh, this people and to lead this people and And as we know, culture tends to cultivate, and these people are not easy to cultivate in the ways of God. Uh, I used to do prison ministry, and the honest, or at least a few of them that I talked to were honest enough to say, you know, it's really not that bad in here. (laughs) And they say, when I get out, I'll probably end up back in here. There's three meals a day, and there's a roof over my head. You get used to it. I heard that. You get used to slavery. It seems um, okay. And this is, they wanted to go back to Egypt to be enslaved, even though they complained when they were there. So wherever they are, they're complaining. All right. The Ten Commandments come. Now, the Ten Commandments are given to bring life, to make this people holy and unique. Uh, and they're, they're actually Ten Commandments that are good for them, but they, they feel like rules, and they end up breaking uh, a particular commandment. You know, more than one commandment, but this golden calf thing, right? You Hopefully you've read about that. It's, um, it's really a, a bad thing that they do. And a, clearly a violation of the commandments. Now, if you remember, when the Ten Commandments are given, they, the people say what? We will do everything you say. Have you ever said that? I'll do it you say, whoever, mom and dad, teacher, whoever it is. And then they, they don't do it. Um, Moses... Uh, is up on the mountain for a long time. When's Moses going to come back? They kind of lose track of time and the temptation is before them and they go ahead and make this golden calf out of their jewelry, which is one of the reasons they gave up their jewelry later on, as we read. But... um, the, the, the thing I, would, I don't want you to miss is that when they make this golden calf, they say they make it, and then the next day they say, we're going to have a feast to the Lord. This is a calf they make to, to it's basically worship of another god, but they're going to they're bring the Lord, the Yahweh God, their, their true God, into all of their sin. So they meet the next day to have a festival to the Lord, and that turns into a sexual orgy. Those words are not found in the scriptures in, in most translations, but that's what the Hebrew implies. A festival to the Lord around a golden calf and a sexual orgy. Now at this point, Moses is up on the mountain with God, and God is upset. And Moses doesn't know exactly what's going on yet. He will soon. But uh, God says to Moses, I've had it with his people. I'm going to destroy them, and I'm going to start over with you. And it's at this point that we begin to see clearly that Moses is not the same guy at the burning bush. He, he, he pushes back on God. Now, here's, here's a prayer principle that all of us human beings have to wrestle with. Uh, do you pray, Lord, thy will be done, not my will be done? Or do you just pray your guts out against what you see coming from God? Because that's what Moses does. He doesn't sit back and passively say, Thy will be done, not my will. That would have made Moses the, the new Noah, the, the, the star of the show, the one who's going to make the promises of God realized in a new nation and he refuses to do that Moses is not thinking about himself he's thinking about God's reputation he pushes back on God now be careful here don't do this no whatever Uh, be careful though because and you'll see this as the story goes on you have the love of God and the holiness of God remember this vice is forging out a man here named Moses and a nation and Moses says these are your people these are the people that you made promises to are you going to break your promises And what about your name? What are all the other nations going to say about you if you do? This is, I mean, this is Moses rising up and becoming a bigger person. Kind of bold. Um, Well, eventually, Moses even asks that uh, if you don't forgive them, well, blot me out of the book of life instead of them. Hmm, a substitution. Moses is willing to take a bullet for others. He's a big person. And you wonder, kind of wonder, to resolve that dilemma between thy will be done and praying your guts out about what you know to be the better way or whatever, is that he did exactly what, he prayed exactly what God wanted him to pray and therefore he did pray God's will. You see how that works? That's how I resolve it. Uh, you may have your own way, but that's, that's one of the things that seems to come out of the text for me. So Moses goes down the mountain, and he's going to see for himself whew, the mess. And uh, I'm going to read, some of that was, was read for you, but he has this confrontation with his brother Aaron. And he, he, t- he turns to Aaron and he says, what did these people do to make you bring such terrible sin upon them? And Aaron says to Moses, don't get so upset. You know, you're, you, you, you yourself know how the evil these people are. Well, well, that's true, yeah, okay. And they said to me, make us gods who will lead us. And then they said, we don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. He's been up there for 40 days or whatever, who brought us up here out of the land of Egypt. So I told them, Aaron said, whoever has gold and uh, jewelry, take it off. And when they brought it to me, I simply threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. <laughs> I don't know if that's the first lame excuse in the world, but that is a lame excuse. That qualifies. So Moses is upset, and um, there's 3,000... Now, here's, here's where it gets a little tough for us. There's 3,000 ringleaders, apparently, who are put to death. And we might ask, here's the, here's the question, how could a loving God, right? How could a loving God... And that question reveals that maybe, just maybe, we don't understand anything about holiness, We're trying to understand love without holiness. And the question might be, how could a holy God not do that? If we understand what holiness is. And the text is going to reveal more of what holiness is. But one thing that we do know, and we know this from life, is that whenever there is sin or whenever there is some kind of break in call it whatever you will, when somebody does something wrong, they still pay the consequences for, even if there's forgiveness, and there will be forgiveness here. We're gonna, it's in the story. But there are still consequences, and so I love to share the story of my good friend Gary, whose, whose wife has, had told him early on, and he's a, he's a Christian counselor, a really good guy, and his wife told him early on, he said, Gary, if you are unfaithful to me, I'll tell you what, I will forgive you, and I will divorce you. There you go. They, they can go together. There's real consequences. What we really want is a nice God. We can we conflate holiness and love and put them together and turn them into the word nice. But the word nice is not found in the scriptures. Not there. But so that's our humanness. Why does God have to be so holy? Well, uh, we'll come back to that one. Then we get to plan B. Um, So plan A was that God was going to go with the people of Israel all the way to the promised land, and now that is not the case. The Lord said to Moses, Get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them I will not... I will give this land to their descendants. Uh, and then he says, and I will send before you an angel to drive out the people who are there now. That's not the deal. That that wasn't the original arrangement. Not the, an angel. An angel is okay. <laughs> but Moses has got more in mind. And you've got you to really appreciate Moses' heart at this point. I mean, think of it this way. If you had somebody that you really loved and you were going to go on a journey and then they said you can't, they, aren't, they can't go with you for some reason and they said, but here, here, take my credit card. What would you say? Well, you might say, great, I didn't really want to go with you anyway, but that's not the point. The, the angel would be God's credit card. But or Moses sees something in God, in Yahweh, this living God who he's getting to know. And Remember when he started out, he hid his face from this God, tried to hide from him. And now he's boldly pressing in on the heart of Yahweh. So he's not happy about it. And his prayer life is getting bolder and bolder. If God's presence doesn't go, and the reason, the reason God is... I heard some of you laugh when it was read, but the reason that God says he won't go with him is that he, it's not going to be good for those people. I mean, they're going to, I mean, the combination, God is saying, the combination of my holiness and your sinfulness is not going to be good for you. It's just not going to be good. It's like, it should be really bad. So uh, Moses hears all this and um, he wants to come at God a bit with some boldness. And something very rare in the scriptures, it says that you don't find this very often, and you have to take it, I think, with a grain of, of salt, if I can put it that way, that God changed his mind. But we need to see how that happens here. And we have to ask the question again, did God really change his mind, or did Moses really pray the, pray the prayer that God wanted him to pray? But here's how it goes. First of all, the people do get rid of their fine clothes and jewelry, and after the service today, we will have an offering for fine clothes and jewelry. Laughter. Just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. They get rid of that, though. And as I mentioned, the the jewelry particularly is what made the golden calf. So they're they're repenting. And God hears a repentant heart. He responds to a repentant heart. Know that about God. Remember, he is holy, but he is also loving. Okay. So that happens. But then you have this other thing that happens. And it's kind of a... It's almost like... We didn't read it in the text, but... Cause it, it's a little long, but it's that part where it talks about the relationship between God and Moses and how it's growing, and how they met together, and they like friends who meet, what, face to face. And again, not literally because of what we'll read in just a minute about the face of God, but it's like that kind of friendship. And uh, there's, a, there's a growing relationship. God, Moses is getting to know Yahweh. And he loves what he is seeing and he values it. And remember, face-to-face contrasts with the first time these two met when Moses only wanted to hide his face. And Now he's realizing he can trust Yahweh with his face. Face meaning the real me, the essence of who I am. No fig leaves, no fine clothes, no jewelry, whatever. I'm going to bear myself before you and trust myself to your love and your holiness. And what does that say about God? Mercy. He is merciful. So Moses is growing. And then we have the next event described. And this is what um, was read. Moses says to the Lord, You have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. And I don't know what that means, except maybe he hasn't given him the name of the angel yet. You know, I mean, you can tell Moses is kind of pushing into the way, of, although maybe a child would with, with a parent, uh, trying to get more definition, but really wanting something else, something more. And that's how it unfolds. You haven't told me who will go with us. You have told me, I know you by name and I look favorably upon you. But and if that's true... And if you look favorably upon me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. I want to know your ways. I want to know how much you love me and how holy you are. That's what he's saying. And remember that this nation is your very own people. He keeps bringing that up. God, don't forget that. And the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest Everything will be fine for you. That's God coming back. And Moses is saying, not enough. He pushes into the heart of God. He's going to find out if the heart of God is truly loving and truly a promise-keeping God. And I I want you to see that God is wanting Moses to push back on him. This is God's will. And Moses says, if you don't go personally with us, Not you or me, in the case of Moses. He's he's got that first person pronoun plural now. Us. If you don't go with us, because I'm not going without them, and I don't care how bad they are, this is is Moses, then don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably, favorably upon me, on me and on your people? See, he, he hitches his wagon to the people. He's stuck right between. He's in the vice between a holy God and the sinful people. And somehow, he, that's, he's just committed. What's going to happen? For your, your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people of the earth. Now, just a, a little clarification. There's the general presence of God. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. And certainly he is here right now. But we pray for more than the general presence of God. We pray for the glorious personal presence of Yahweh. That's what we're talking about here. So there's, there's different degrees of God's presence. And Moses wants the full, the full whatever. He wants... And this is where he's going to go next. And this is where he really gets bold. And um, one of the one of the great passages in Scripture, really. So the Lord says to Moses, "I will indeed do what you have asked." So Moses gets what he's asking for. God is going to give His holy personal presence, not just to Moses, but to the people, and they're going to go to Israel. God changed His mind. You see that? Because Moses prayed into His will. And then Moses responded, okay, here's the big bold, I guess I could say, do try this at home prayer, but it's really big. Then show me your glorious presence. And the, the, word, the Hebrew word for glory is kavod, but it means weighty. Your, the fullness of your presence is what he's asking for. And then Yahweh replies, I will make my goodness pass before you. And I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. And I will, show you, I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face. And this is a very common uh, phrase in the Old Testament, what is said here. You may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. You'll find that very, very a lot of places. You can't see God and live. No one's ever done it. It's too much. This is the holiness side of the vice. It just—it's not going to work. So then you have this. So let's just let's just pause a little sec here. You have this God saying, out of His love and compassion, He says, Moses, here's what I'll do for you." <laughs> and just, He's just—he's very gracious. He says, I'm going to show you my goodness. And I don't know what that looks like, but he's going to show him his goodness. Isn't that a good thing? That's positive, right? And then he's going to say his name. I am the Lord. And he defines his name by two words, compassionate and merciful. That's good, right? And then he says, I will show you my back as I pass by. And that's as far as I can go without killing you. Are you okay with that? (laughs) Moses has to be. But that's what God offers to him. Beautiful passage. And don't you love the heart of Moses? And remember, he's the guy who wanted to hide his face from God, and now he wants to see God's face. He's gotten bold and big. Well, uh, this is the closest that Moses ever comes uh, to the presence of God, as far as we can tell. And... um, I want to close this by quoting, going to Jesus Christ, which is where we need to go. And I want you to just see a few words in here. We'll, we'll hover over them, then we're going to pray, and then we're going to have communion. The word, the word is Jesus. So this is John's gospel. The word became flesh and dwelt, in the, the Greek word there is tabernacled. So if, as you're reading along in here, you'll find that word a lot. He tabernacled with us, this world. How's that going to work? Remember this, this vice. You've got, we, we believe, I mean, all of us would say, yeah, God's loving. But this holiness part, how's it going to work if this holy God comes into this sinful world where you have things like what happened in New Zealand this week? How's that going to work when the, when the holy God comes into this world? I mean, it didn't work well for those 3,000, did it? That were put to death. So, but in, in the person of Christ, this is what we have. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, literally tabernacled. And we have seen his glory. In, think of it this way. Glory and face are uh, roughly mean the same thing. Beauty means roughly the same thing. But... The glory of God, and, and Paul says that we have seen the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's Second Corinthians 4, 6. We have seen the glory of God in the face of Christ. Have you seen the face of Christ? You'll see the glory of God. When you see the glory of God, what do you see? You see love and holiness in his face. And you don't see his back. I mean, that's not what we're drawn to. We're drawn to his face. You get to see the fullness of God. In the person of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1, 3 says, Jesus Christ is the visible expression of the invisible God. You see Jesus Christ, you see what God looks like. And he is holy. And he is loving. And then we get to the third part. Full of grace and truth. The truth doesn't compromise the grace and the grace doesn't compromise the truth. And grace is a love word and truth is a holiness word. They're They're in the same families. And they come together, not partially, half and half, but fully in the person of Jesus Christ, full of grace and full of truth. And so what I want to do right now, through a prayer, if you will join with me, and using the imagination that God has given you, just let your imagination run wild as you look into the face of Christ. Let's pray together. Close your eyes. And see the face of Christ. We might think in most however that comes to you, but for me, it's the cross. The eyes of Jesus on the cross looking at me. Looking down from the cross at me. And I see his love for me. There. Do you see his love for you? And you know what amplifies that love? Is his holiness. the holiness of God, the one person who did it right, who got it right, who came into this world, and there's not 3,000 people dead in the wake of his life. He is destroyed. He is dead because of my sin. And that amplifies the love of God to me. holiness of God makes His love so much greater. As you look into the eyes of Jesus, into the face of God, are you able to see how vast is His love for you? Let's let love have the final word. In His name we pray. Amen.